0: You won't go where, Jeff. <laughs> Good morning. All right. Really excited this morning. Uh, just be able to to share with everyone uh, a word that I feel the Lord put on my heart. Actually, we plan. We've probably been planning uh, for this Sunday in the sense of who will be preaching today, uh, maybe a month and a half ago, but it was almost like as as soon as we knew that I was preaching, it's almost like we knew what I would be preaching on, uh, in a sense that we felt like God was just doing something uh, and wanting to communicate something. And as we transition into a a new uh, church with a new name, uh, as a leadership team, and this was Pastor Steve's heart as well, was that we would create a new culture uh, here. Part of the reason why the name of the church will be Cross Culture. Because we want to be a, a church uh, where, where the culture is shaped by the cross. And, and we want to reach, you know, across uh, the world and, and really lead people to, 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 the, to Christ. But as I'm thinking now, just of part of what this culture looks like, I, for me, one of the ways that God is helping me go through this trans, transition personally is he's really doing a work in my heart to see us, see the, the people in this room, the people that we meet with on Saturday nights at the Live, uh, not as, you know, church, but family. You know, there's 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 plenty of passages in the scriptures that talk about the church being a family. And we know it's not the building, and we know it, it's us, and it's when we get together. But just I, for me, it's just been a real big, you know, thing that God's doing in my heart is really see, learning how to see uh, you guys, as brothers and sisters, and fathers and mothers, uh, because of the work of the cross. And uh, as I think of, a, of of a family, I'm I'm more of a practical guy. I'm, I'm more practical, and when, uh, when we think about you know the way the way we're gonna get things done, uh, when 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 Pastor Steve is, I I would always joke when Pastor Steve is is you know, we're gonna charge hell with squirt guns, you know, and take over. And the question is, well, how are we gonna get the water? You know, I'm I'm all in, just. Where are we going to get the water and, and who's filling them up? And let's think through the practical side of this. I'm all in, but, you know, there's things that need to get done. Uh, so when I think about a, a culture and and, and and what God is taking us and transitioning into uh, church, home churches, where we're going to be gathering in homes, uh, things are a lot more intimate. It's, it it gets a lot easier to see one another as family when you spend hours, you know, in a home, hanging out, eating praying, worshiping, whatever it is, um, but I think of one of the, the easiest ways uh, to, to have a healthy family is to have trust. When we can trust one another, it's, it's a lot easier to just see each other that way as, well, yeah, you know, I, I love you and honor you in a certain way because, of, because I trust you, because we're family. But at the same time, there's something to be said about family when it's almost like it's easier for us to let down family than to let others down. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Where it's easier to say, well, yeah, I was going to go, but I'm not going to show up just because, whatever, it's, just, it's my brother, he, doesn't, he don't care. It's almost like we dismiss family, but we want to, you know, impress or, or, or keep our word or whatever it is uh, to people that are not in the family. And that's what I want to address this morning because I feel like part of the, the, the changing and the shifting in, in our culture is going to be uh, learning how to trust one another. And I believe that you know the word the the word the Lord has for us today is, is specifically about keeping our word. I know most of the time when people talk about the things that come out of your mouth, the emphasis is on you know encouraging people, not slandering. Um, it's on you know not cursing or, or, or things like that. Uh, but I rarely hear people talk about man keeping your word and the importance of it, and just the importance of you know that being part of the culture of the family. Um, so if you guys will turn with me to Psalm 15, we're going to take a look at, at a couple different passages today, but this is really where I, I feel God wants us to start. You know, and, and at the same time, one of the quickest ways to break trust, you know, one of the quickest ways to, to build trust is to keep your word. One of the quickest ways to break trust is to not keep your word. And and we'll, I'll talk a little bit more about that, but that's, that's what I want to address is because as a family, we need to create this culture. And as we go through these scriptures, I know it gets it gets real easy. Even as I was preparing this, it gets real easy to think of the people that needed to hear this message. it, it is. It's real easy to be like, Oh man, that dude that blew me off can I get the C D? You like it's but what I what I really feel is, is the way we're gonna build a culture is by being the thing itself. You don't, you don't build a culture by telling people what to do and how to act. You build a culture by being the thing itself and, and letting that be contagious within the community. I was part of a, of a, of a church once where, I don't remember what time service started, but the, the pastor wanted all of the leaders, you know, the worship leaders, sound guys, you know, people that were serving, to be there an hour before service started. Every Sunday, he wanted people to be there an hour before service started. And when people wanted to join, like, the leadership team, one of the, the, the things he used for criteria was, well, do they show up to church on time? You know, if, if I want them to be there an hour earlier, how, and, and they can't show up just on time, how, how can I put this responsibility on them? But the interesting thing was he had a lot of kids, and his family had stepchildren and, and, and these things, so he was rarely on time. I mean, and it's not even rarely like an hour early. I'm talking rarely on time to church. Well, we're in worship and he's, you know, strolling in with his family. And, you know, he's got little kids and they got to get dressed and, you know, breakfast and things like that. I mean, that's, that's great. I understand that. But there's like, well, there's a reason why people aren't taking it seriously. Because from the top down, it needs to be part of the culture. I'm not asking you to do something that I wouldn't do myself. And I believe that, you know, as the Lord renews our minds uh, we're going to see a shift even in our, our relationships with one another. And I'm going to read Psalm 15, uh, verses 1 through 4. This is a Psalm of David. Uh, I'm reading out of the, the New Living Translation. He says, Who may worship in your sanctuary, Lord? Who may enter your presence on your holy hill? Those who lead blameless lives and do what is right, speaking the truth from sincere hearts. Those who refuse to gossip and or harm their neighbors, or speak evil of their friends. Those who despise flagrant sinners and honor the faithful followers of the Lord and keep their promises even when it hurts. The first thing to notice is in verse 1, David asks a question. Who can worship in your sanctuary? Who may enter the presence of your holy hill? He's asking, God, who's allowed to come into your presence? This is the question that he's asking. This psalm, I believe, is is meant to get us to examine ourselves before we worship. I believe this psalm is is meant for us to, to take a look at our own lives and say, Okay, God, th- these are the qualifications or requirements in order to enter your presence. And he says, and he goes, so the question is, who can worship in your sanctuary? And the answer, we see in verse 2, he says, those who lead blameless lives. And then he says, those who speaking the truth from a sincere heart. Those who refuse to gossip. Those who refuse to speak evil of their friends. And those who keep their promises even when it hurts. And I, I find it very interesting that when he answers the question, a lot of the emphasis is put on what comes out of your mouth. Who can enter the presence of the Lord to worship? Who, Who can come into the sanctuary? A lot of the emphasis here is put on what comes out of your mouth who can speak the truth from a sincere heart or who refuses to gossip or speak evil against their friends. And and, and that's why I believe this is what God wants us to to take a look at today because the reality is this. We want to be a church that's that's characterized and shaped by the cross, by by the very presence of God. And yeah, I understand Jesus died on the cross and the veil is torn and we can now enter into the Holy of Holies, but that does not mean that we do away with these character issues, these character uh, qualifications that God is looking for. He's, he has not changed. Almost to, to, a, to a certain sense, I, I, I you know, even venture out to say that, that the cross has made it possible. So now all you got to do is make sure the stuff comes out of your mouth is right. And now you, and you're in. It, it's, 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 I, I believe it's that much easier. But even as we see in James, man, it's, it's hard to tame your tongue. And I'm not talking about, you know, that's a whole other message as far as cursing and blessing and things like that, but just the reality of taming your tongue and committing to things and saying you're going to do things and and things like that uh, too quickly. As we were worshiping today, I really felt uh, just, you know, in my spirit, I felt like God was just confirming this word and and the reality that there, there are people that carry burdens, that carry hurts, that are offended, that are angry, that are bitter, because somebody told them they were going to do something, and they didn't come through. And man, my, my, before we get into the rest of this, my, my, my encouragement, you know, if if that is you, is man, don't let yourself be robbed. Do not let yourself be robbed, you know, by living in bitterness and anger and frustration and resentment towards someone else. Uh, you know, take those things to the Lord, and if if need be, you you know, address someone. Hey, when you did that years ago, it hurt me. And I haven't looked at you the same ever since. This is the way family works, right? You know, you fight and then you, you work things out. That's the way family operates. <clears throat> and I think it's, it's, it's important for us to take note of the same thing that we all fall short in this area. How many of you guys think you fall short in keeping your word? I'm, I mean, we can be honest. So as we're thinking through the people that need to be here for this message I would encourage us to to you know look inward and just, re- just try to allow the Lord to, to renew our minds and at the same time to have grace for everyone else. We need to have grace with one another and say, you know what, that really did bother me, but I do this I do it often as well. And uh, <clears throat> I wanted to uh, just point out something even a, a part of my personal testimony. I did not grow up in a culture like this. I didn't grow up in, in, in a culture where keeping your word mattered. You know, I, 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 my, my father uh, passed away when I was eight. Uh, so for a good chunk of my life, from like eight to like 15, 16, you know, I didn't have a, a, a consistent father figure in my life. And about 16, I met someone and, and he's taken that place ever since. Uh, and if I brought him up here, he'd tell you plenty of stories. Of how many times I said made a commitment to something and it didn't it didn't happen, and I mean and in, in, in a very real sense at 16, 17, 18, 19, maybe 20 and 21, I didn't care. <laughs> I didn't care. I was like, hey man, whatever. So what? I mean, did you think I was really? Gonna, it's it's too early for that or whatever the case was. I had all these excuses in my mind as to wh- why it was okay for me not to keep my word. And you know, one of the things that stands out to me uh, uh, about him was just the consistency of. Hey, you said you were going to do this, so you got to do it. I should be able to take you at your word. And I really, I mean, it was the consistency in his life and, and him encouraging me to do that. That I'm, it almost like I went to like the complete opposite extreme where like if you even hinted that you were going to do something and you didn't do it, I was, oh man, I can't believe you didn't do that. But it was just this, and when I say that to say this, it wasn't a part of my culture, but I had to learn how to make it a part of my culture. So even if if, if this is foreign to us, even if we're like, look, man, that's just not how I grew up. It's not the way things run in my family. Well, that's the way things run in this family. That's what we're looking for. And that's what we're asking God to make a part of this family. So by his grace, he can transform us and and help us to become people that, you know, learn uh, how to keep our word. I remember, I, I can't think of how many jobs I did this with, but I would work jobs and just when I was done working that job, in a sense, like I didn't want to work there anymore, I just wouldn't show up. I just stopped showing up because it, it it didn't matter to me that if I would need a reference one day, it didn't matter to me that this guy would say, "Well, yeah, this guy he flaked out on us. They just he just stopped coming." It, it didn't matter in my mind. I'm like, who cares? Who cares what people have to say, you know? And as and we all know, as we get older, you realize, well, no, you need to have a good name. People should be able to count on you. Even in that sense, as far as even uh, making, you know, recommendations. <laughs> you know, where it's even person my, personally, when people ask me, hey, can you write me a, a recommendation for such and such? Like, and and this was something that I was taught. Like, well, how do you know I got something good to say? Just because we're friends and I love you doesn't mean that I'm not going to say, look, you never show up on time or you got a real loose mouth or whatever the, like learning what is what's the reputation that you have before people and i believe this is this is a, such a huge part of it but it's like you know it, it we don't talk about it with the signs and the wonders and the prophecy and you know the other gifts and we, we 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 almost like belittle this like well yeah you know it's just part of the territory and i didn't grow up that way with man i i cannot stress enough just how big of a deal this is to me because i really believe this is part of the culture of the kingdom. Being able to keep, for people to be able to take you at your word. I mean, I mean, just imagine if if we if we couldn't take Jesus at his words or Paul, we literally would have nothing to stand on. We would have no hope. The, all, our entire faith is based on the fact that he said it; therefore, we believe it's true. And if he was inconsistent. If Jesus was inconsistent, we would have no hope. It all rests upon the fact that, yes, what he says is true, because he's God. And so I want to encourage you guys, even as as, as we move forward in this transition, to, to really allow the Lord to do a work in us as, as far as creating this culture, being mindful of it. It's not something that you just wake up, you know, you read a book, and, and that's it, but it's, it's actually being mindful and, and looking for accountability and being open to accountability. I mean, some, some, more often than not, I would get upset when people would try to hold me accountable to something I said. Like, how dare you remember what I said? What's wrong with you? <laughs> I don't remember what I said. That's why I didn't do it. <laughs> and But there's a real practical side to this. And, and that's what I'm saying. Like, my heart, for me, I'm like, I learned how to make this a part of my life. I had to learn how to develop the discipline of, I said I was going to be there, so I have to be there. And Obviously, there's exceptions. Things come up, but that can't be the, the rule. It, it needs to be an exception. Practically, and as I'm just thinking of it now, just, man, carry a notepad. Make a note on your phone or in your calendar. I said I was going to be at such and such place at 10 o'clock on Saturday. I signed up to serve the homeless on Saturday. I'm supposed to be there at 1 o'clock. Make a note. And ask somebody, hey, can you remind me on Saturday? Because I tend to forget. But just being practical and leaning on one another. Say, hey, you know what? This guy seems to be really good at that. Or she seems to be really good at that. And, 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 and so let me just get around them. so that Because this is the culture that, that we want to create. <clears throat> and I'll, 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 we'll go back to Psalm 15 in a minute. But I think as... We need to ask the Lord to reprioritize. I, for me, as I was praying through, God, you know, why was it that I was? It was so easy for me not to keep my word, and why is it that for a lot of people in, in my generation, that's just the case? And I think it's just it's a it's a it's an issue of priority, like it is with many other things. You know, this takes more. Pri- this takes priority over my commitment here. And and you know, the the practical example of that is. You know, if for some people, not everyone, but for some people that are that are really bad with keeping their word and make, keeping commitments. I mean, if, if we were as inconsistent at work or school, we wouldn't be going to work or school anymore. It's like in the family of God, it's like, well, yeah, you know, they just accept me that way. That's just the way that I am. And, you know, we and we make room. That's just the way that he is, you know. But the reality is, man. I don't know any employer that's trying to run a business, that's trying to run an organization that's just going to be like, well, that's just the way that you are. I worked at at a a job once where uh, everybody else came in at 9 o'clock. Everybody else came in at 9 and I had to come at 8. I was young and undisciplined. I had to get there at 8 o'clock because they were like, we want to make sure that you spend an hour with the Lord before you start your work day. So we want you at the office an hour before everybody else. And I'm like, all right, cool. Great. You know, I can, you know, whatever. And so it was, I, you know, I was doing it for a while and I, I, you know, I would be late every once in a while and then it just got bad where I was just consistently late. And so they were like, hey, it seems like you're having a hard time getting here at 8 o'clock. Yeah, man, it's just tough, you know. I'm up late and, you know, this and that. And, okay, well, we need you here at 7.30 from now on. And I remember being like, that's Totally opposite of what I thought was going to happen, <laughs> but it was it, this was the conversation. You need to be here at seven thirty, and if you're late, you don't have a job anymore and they were teaching me the importance of keeping my commitments of being responsible of being a man, of being an adult and I'm telling you, man, for like the next two weeks i was there was nothing stopping me from getting there at two thirty in the morning at all seven thirty what did I say? <laughs> 2.30, 7.30. <laughs> Not, there was nothing, because it, all of a sudden, it became a priority. All of a sudden, getting up early enough to get to work on time was a priority over hanging out with my friends at night, or staying up late watching TV, or being on the computer, whatever the case is. And I think, it's a, I think honestly, that's, that's the real issue. When we make things a priority, and, and that's a way that we honor One another. It's honoring to one another if, if, if I say we're gonna have a meeting at two o'clock and you know there's ten people invited to the meeting and seven of them show up at two o'clock and three of them show up at two thirty but I wait to two thirty because I want you know to make sure everybody's part of the meeting it's not honoring to the people that showed up on time it's not honoring to the people that were responsible enough to get there early and 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 so what ends up happening is for in the majority and, this, and it saddens me that this is just the way that society is but well, that's just the way they are yeah I know he said he was coming but he's, he's, gonna, he's gonna be late he's. and for, for, for most of us we're okay with that and I think there's something really wrong with being okay with having a reputation for somebody that can't keep their word I could care less personally what kind of gifts you have what kind of preaching you can do, but man, if you have a reputation for not being able to keep your word, I'd, I'd never ask you to come speak at the live because it's a big deal to me. We did When we were doing those Shy City Connects, we had a, a guy that, that, that he's a musician, and we had talked probably a month and a half before the, the Connect, and he said he was going to come and play music, and... Do some songs and great. So we planned it. And for the next month and a half, I'm shooting them emails and text messages and phone calls. And hey, just want to make sure you're going to be there. You know, we're going to start at this time. If you want to come, set up. I mean, just going through the practical logics, logistics because I figured I can count on this guy to be there because he said he was going to be there. To this day, I mean, we're talking years later. He's never even acknowledged the fact that he never showed up. So it's like last minute, I'm on the phone with other people, musicians. Hey, can you come tonight? I mean, I just need you to play a couple songs. I got people coming. This is an outreach. And to this day, he has not even... Not, but I remember I said one thing that day. I said, I'll never ask him to play again. It's just... That, that's just the way... It, because you can't count on somebody. Chai and I know someone uh, who... And it's, it's sad to say, man, it's, he's, he's gifted by the lord and the grace of god is on his life but this is just the reputation he has so much so that when he's scheduled to come to town to preach at the church the pastor always plans a backup message the pastor's like yeah i know he's scheduled to come to town and preach but i don't know if he's actually going to show up the pastor will tell you there's been times where i've been up there ready to introduce him that's when i find out he's not coming and this is crazy for me. I'm like, why do you keep asking the guy to come back, right? That's that's for me. I'm like, well, there you can solve that problem very quickly. Don't ask him to speak at your church anymore. But it's crazy that this is the, that this is. I mean, do we see that this is the culture? This is what we we're tolerating this in the church. We're not we're not spurring people on towards godliness and godly character. Instead, we you know we're okay with yeah, let's pursue you know power and healings and miracles and i'm not saying don't go after it all but part of the package is character and integrity i mean we we the 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 end goal is to be conformed to the image of christ and yes jesus performed tons of miracles and he prophesied over tons of people but he also was a man of character and integrity filled with love and compassion and if we're going, we got, we have to go after the whole picture. We have to go after the whole thing. And, and and I feel like, for a lot of, and and it's it's funny because in some churches, it's, you know, there's a big emphasis on this, character, integrity, you know. And then, we people would say, well, there's not enough emphasis emphasis on, you know, the, move of the Holy Spirit. And then on some circles, it's, all over here. And well, yeah, that stuff, you know, will come later. And and man, at cross-culture, at Abundant Life, you know, our heart is that we would be a church that's kind of right here in the, in the middle, the best we can. You know, I think, yeah, we're always going to tend to lean on one side to another and kind of sway back and forth, but, I mean, there's a difference between, you know, like something, like, you, you guys ever go to Great America and get on that boat that's just, like, swinging this way? You know, you know what I'm talking about? I hate that thing. My, But it's like, it's, there's a difference between when you don't feel if you're on the ride, it doesn't feel as bad when it's just when, when it's just starting or when it's just ending because it's, it's not there's not a lot of movement. It's when it gets like way to one extreme, to the other extreme, back to the other extreme that you're like, oh man, this ain't sitting right. <laughs> but like for uh, as a as a church, our, our heart, our goal, the, our prayer is God help us to stay in this in this middle section here where there's not much of you know, there's not a lot of movement where we can ride, you know, the the middle here. <clears throat> I know person like I like I mentioned, you know, this this I, again, this was not part of the way I grew up. Not that I was told, don't worry, you don't have to keep your word. I was never told that. But it just was never emphasized, you have to keep your word. You gotta be a man of your word. I mean, there was a time and I mean I, I wasn't born in That era, but there was a time where all you needed was your word, and we've been conditioned to not put so much weight on it because we have contracts and leases and all these other things. So yeah, you know, if if I if I can really take care of your word, sign this, just just to be sure. But that's what it is, where I, I could imagine in some cultures in some sometimes in history where it would have almost been offensive. You want me to sign that? I just told you I was going to be there. I just told you I was going to give you whatever it was. I just gave you my word. Why would I need to sign something? It's almost like a relational prenup. (laughs) Why would you you give me that? You think this isn't going to work out? It's crazy, but this is the way our culture is. Where at one point, like right now, you know, you start talking prenup and people get offended. Like, why would you even bring that up? At one point, it would have been the same way. I told you, you give me three goats and I'll give you four chickens or whatever, you know. Like, it was just a culture of the day where you would keep your word. Where you didn't have to, to swear. I mean, for me, it was, when we were in high school, it was, you know, emphasis on you, you, you swear on something. I swear on my mama's life. I swear on my father's grave. I swear on... You know, and it just, I mean, it just would progress. So, I mean, I swear on my dog's baby, she's pregnant right now, I swear. It's like, it would be like the craziest things because it was almost like you had to like, I want you to be sure that what I'm saying is true. Rather than just say, look, there's certain people that we know that they don't have to do that. There's certain people you know that don't have to swear by anything. They just say they're going to be there, so they're gonna, you know they're going to be there. Because you know, like, you no, know, that... He or she, they keep their word. They're a man of character and integrity. I don't have to worry about it. And one of the qualifications that David uses in Psalm 15, verse 4, he says, they keep their promises even when it hurts. Even when it's inconvenient. Even when, you know, we, we, we sign up to serve and... Man, Everybody else is going somewhere that day, and I want to be a part of that. Or, you know what, I don't want to be a part of that, but I'm supposed to be. I don't want to go to that. I mean, but but these are the people that are qualified to enter God's presence, to worship in his presence. If you don't want to be this guy, you can worship outside of his presence. But but David here answers the question, who's allowed to come to God's presence and worship, and those that keep their word, even when it hurts. And I think there's there needs to be a shift, like I like I mentioned earlier about family and and the way we take things lightly with family, where it's just like well yeah you know borrow me some borrow me twenty bucks and I'll pay you back later. And then it's like, well, yeah, I'll get you later. You know, it's family. You know, don't worry. I, I'm, I'm going to see you again. Don't worry. But it's like, wait, I was counting on that. And I, I, I just thought of it now, and, and this would be my encouragement. This would be my prayer as a, as a church, especially when it comes to, to, to giving and missions. And my prayer is that we would, we would not be a church with people that tell missionaries Hey, don't worry. I'm gonna I'm gonna partner with you. Twenty five dollars a month, fifty dollars a month, or whatever the case is. I my prayer is that we would not be people that say that and then don't follow through. For those of you guys that know that know, you know, Janelle and I well, we left. You know, I left my job over two years ago, and we've been living off support with with partners and kind of odds and ends. And and you know, the bulk of the support we've been getting is from family. But man, I. I, I could probably say it's in the thousands as far as money that people told me they were going to send us that we never got. And it's it's different when you're waiting on it and waiting on it and waiting on it and it just never shows up. So my, my, my prayer, my, my heart is like, man, I hope that we can be a church where, when if somebody comes to town or, and, and they're missionaries and they're traveling through and we pray and we say, God, should we partner with these guys? Yes, okay. Then we make a commitment and then, That's it. They can count on it because it's their livelihood. And I think that when we understand things like, well, it's family, so therefore I should put family on a higher priority than I do my boss or my, my schoolwork. In a sense of we need to be responsible. If you made a commitment to be a student, then be a student. If that was your commitment. But man, it, it, it grieves me. It grieves me when when I when I see that this is not just a culture. You know, I'm not speaking just specifically just abundant life. I'm just across the board. People just don't care. And it's sad because it's like, man, we're supposed to be God's representatives on the earth. People are supposed to be able to look at us and, and get an idea for what God is like. Imagine, I mean, just, just imagine what it would be like. Imagine what your li- forget everybody else. Imagine what your life would be like. What, how much less stress you would have, how much more peace you would have if you never had to worry about people keeping their word to you. Everybody you talked to that said they were going to do something actually did it. Imagine what ministry would be like. If people that showed up, said they were showing up to meetings showed up to meetings on time. Imagine what your family functions would be like when you plan to have, you know, a birthday dinner and the guy bringing the ice is like the last one to come when everybody's done. (laughs) Imagine if that wasn't the case. I mean, because that happens, right? It's always the guy with the ice or the guy with the drinks and everybody's asking for water. But, I mean, really, I I really believe that God wants us to to really grab a hold of just the the practical side. I mean, we talk about this all the time at FIRE. But, man, but... Being practical is being spiritual. there's no way there's no way to get around that. you know even as as we gather together, we honor one another by keeping our word this, this these are spiritual things. We can only reflect the character of God because of what the Spirit is doing in our lives. <clears throat> and as we, we we put put family in and 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 I'm not saying, you put family in a priority where then now you don't keep your word at work or school. That's, that's not what I'm saying. Just be a man or woman of your word across the board. I mean, it's. it's, it's you remember when Pastor Steve shared last week about the woman uh, that was part of Abundant Life that some kid got hit by a car in front of her house and he was dead. And, and then he said he prayed for her and the kid got up. You guys remember one thing? He, I remember one thing he said about the woman. He said it in passing, but he said she wasn't a minister. She didn't have a ministry, so she didn't have anything to prove. She didn't have to prove that God was with her. All she she was moved by the fact that man, this little boy doesn't get to live his life. So I'm going to pray, and then God moved, right? And I wonder what our lives would be like if, because it's almost like at school and work, we feel like you know we have to prove something. I have to prove to my employers that they're not wasting their money. So I'm going to show up on time. I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy just how much the, the idea. I used to have a pastor when when it would snow outside in the wintertime and people would call because they want to be accountable. Pastor, I just want to let you know I'm, I'm not going to be coming to service this morning. It's, you know, a lot of snow out there and I don't want to lose my parking spot. This is the, He's getting phone calls like this. I don't want to lose my parking spot. But I just want to let you know we're okay. I just want to, you know, be accountable. And he would ask, well, what are you going to do tomorrow? What do you mean? What do you do tomorrow when you got to go to work? Uh, well, you know, I got to go to work. Well, then why can't, and this is the thing, it's an issue of priority. It's more important to me to go to work and have a good name at work because one day I might need that recommendation. Where, you know, one day I just, I just need the senior pastor's recommendation. I don't need, you know, this guy, the children's leader, the worship director, I don't need their recommendation. I just go to the senior pastor. And, 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 and when, we, when we allow the Lord to, to, to make a shift in our hearts and reprioritize things, I, I, really, I believe things will get different in our culture. And I, I believe this is, you know, what, what I'm going to say is, is huge for Christians to understand. We, we need to know this one thing. It's okay to say no. It's okay to say no. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you have to sign up for everything. Doesn't mean you have to agree to do everything. Doesn't mean you need to help everybody that asks you for help. Because what ends up happening is you sign up for all everything. You need help serving the homeless? I'm in. You need help being ushers? I'm in. You need somebody to cut the grass? I'm in. Need, and then it's like, wait a second, you didn't do any of these. Man, I was just so confused. I wasn't sure which one to do first. Right? This is the, it's like it's okay to say, you know what? I just can't do that right now. I'll pray for you guys that you'll find somebody, but I just I just can't commit to that right with what I have going on right now. It's okay I, I believe it's it's okay to to not commit to something. Nobody's gonna, you know, kick you out. <clears throat> I wanna I wanna take a look at we're gonna look at Joshua nine if you want to turn there, but before that I want to show a just another quick story. Joshua 9. Uh, I made a... Uh, I was playing video games. I was playing a basketball video game like two months ago or something with, with his little boy. And he was trash talking. I mean, he was just... He was. So... And he didn't know I had the game at home. So... I said, let's make a bet. And I had this ice cream at home that he really wanted. I had this ice cream in my freezer that he was... It's like a, it was like a special ice cream. Like only like, like it was like the ice, only me and Janelle eat the ice cream. Guests come over, you guys eat everything else. This ice cream was like ours because it was it was good. And he said this was the bet. This was his bet. He 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 said, okay, if I win, I get to eat the ice cream. And I was like, it's fair enough. If I win, you have to throw out my garbage for a week, right? So anyways, we're playing the game, and I mean I I beat him. And he was sad and upset because he didn't know that I was going to beat him that badly. But then when, he, when it was over, his mother said, well, now you've got to throw his garbage out. He said, nuh-uh, we didn't shake hands. <laughs> and his mother said, no, you gave him your word. You're going to throw his garbage out. Like, there's, there's, no, there's no changing that. You said it, so therefore it's going to happen. You threw my garbage out. It took a couple of days to, hey, bro, you throw my garbage out. <laughs> it's on the back porch. <laughs> but it took, it took, a, but man, I say this, say this, look, it's not just that we want to create this culture for us so that we can function as a family, but that we can raise up a generation of young people that, that see the value and importance in keeping their word. Because I'm telling you my generation, it's not there. It's not there. Like I didn't learn that until I was older. I probably could have had and kept jobs a lot longer, and kept friends a lot longer, if if I knew how to keep my word when I was younger. But I believe it can be learned, and it's not again, it's not just for us, but it's 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 for the benefit of of, of everyone. And again, I will say you know it's it's, and it's I appreciated the situation with 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 the young man because you can now is it's, it's different. He's it's throwing out my garbage now. And his parents are paying him for it. It's like, look at that. You kept your word once and now it turned into a way to get allowance. And But at the same time, he, you're teaching him how to keep his word. And man, I'm telling you, if, if, and, and uh, like I said, it's not a matter of just telling them what to do. You don't create a culture by telling people what to do. It's, it's not going to work. It's like, Communism. <laughs> the culture you want to have in your church or in your family, this is the way you will act. I'm not going to act like that. But you're going to do it. It's crazy to think that this is what we've, we're allowing, though, in the church, in our families, and in our homes. <clears throat> another. Uh, we're, we're, we're going to get to Joshua 9. I just thought of another another story here. But I was with someone uh, recently, and they were saying that, that they were with another uh, you know, believer, and they were talking about the importance of, oh, man, it's, it's really important to me to keep my word. Like, it's, it's something I hold very highly. And they were like, the, person, the other person was like, in so many words, were like, I don't think I believe you. The person was kind of thrown off, like, what do you mean? And they're like, you're always late. Yeah, and you, it can be very well, you keep your commitments when you say you're going to be somewhere, but you're late all the time. And, you know, we write it off as, you know, Puerto Rican time. What time does the barbecue start? It starts at 2, but, I mean, really 6. Because, <laughs> you know, it's Puerto Rican time. And, you know, I've heard Filipinos got the same thing. I heard it's Filipino time and... Filipino sister in the back is in agreement. <laughs> but it, this is, this, what I'm saying is, man, it's not okay that, that we become the people that people expect to not show up, not be there for something. It's, it's not okay. And I believe that when we give our word to someone, that when we make a commitment to somebody, that God holds us to that commitment. Even when it hurts. Because it's, it's real easy to keep your word when it's something you want to do. Hey, we're going to Great America on Tuesday. Everybody be at my house at 10 o'clock. People in my house are like 9.30. <laughs> we're going evangelizing on Tuesday. Be at my house at 10 o'clock. 11.30. Hey, where you guys at? I just woke up. That's just this is the reality of it. When it's something you want to do, it's real easy to keep your word. When it hurts, when it's inconvenient, when you got to go out of your way, It's different. So turn to jo- Joshua chapter 9. In Jap- Joshua chapter 7, we see that Israel is defeated by Ai because there was sin in the camp. So God lets them get defeated and, 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 and they, they repent. They make things right. Joshua makes things right. In chapter 8, Israel defeats Ai. God hands them over and we pick up in verse 9. Now all the the kings of the west of the Jordan heard about what had happened. These were the kings of the Hittites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, who lived in the hill country in the western foothills and along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and as far north as the Lebanon mountains. These kings combined their armies to fight as one against Joshua and the Israelites. So we got several different countries that are are, are coming together to fight against Joshua. Everybody hears about the fact that that Ai just got taken out. And they're like, okay, look, we need to come into agreement. We need to get into cahoots and come after Israel. Verse 3. But when the people of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai, they resorted to deception to save themselves. They sent ambassadors to Joshua, loading their donkeys with weathered saddlebags and old patched wineskins. They put on worn out patched sandals and ragged clothes, and the bread that they took with them was dry and moldy. When they arrived at the camp of Israel at Gilgal, they told Joshua and the men of Israel, We have come from a distant land to ask you to make peace, to make a peace treaty with us. The Israelites replied to the Hivites. How do you, how do we know that you do not live nearby? For if you do, we cannot make a treaty with you. They replied, we are your servants. But who are you? Joshua demanded. Where do you come from? They answered, your servants have come from a very distant country. We have heard of the might of the Lord your God and all that he did in Egypt. We have also heard what he did to the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan, King Sihon of Heshbon and King Og of Bashan, who lived in Asheroth. So our elders and our people instructed us, take supplies for a long journey. Go and meet with the people of Israel and tell them, we are your servants. Please make a treaty with us. This bread was hot from the ovens when we left our homes. But now, as you can see, it is dry and moldy. The wineskins were new when we, when we filled them. But now they are old and split open. Our clothing and sandals are worn out from our long journey. So the Israelites examined the, their food But they did not consult the Lord. Then Joshua made a peace treaty with them and guaranteed their safety. And the leaders of the community ratified their agreement with binding oath. So what, you know, we just read through this. But what's happened? The Gibeonites put on old clothes. They put on bummy clothes and shoes with holes in them and things. And they come to Joshua and Israel and they say, hey, listen, we're from a very far off place. So we need you to make a treaty with us that you're not going to destroy us. And Joshua knows, because he says, well, how do I know you're not from somewhere close by? Because if you're from somewhere close by, I can't make a treaty with you. Can you imagine this conversation? It would be kind of awkward. If you live close by, I have to take you out. So I can't make this treaty with you. Just let me know where you, let me see some ID. But Joshua knows this, but then he lets them keep going and they keep sharing their story. And here, look at the bread, it's dry and moldy. And it says, they did not consult the Lord. And they made the treaty. I don't I don't I don't know if we can stress how important it is to seek the Lord, to consult the Lord as we make commitments, before we make commitments. God, do you want me to get involved in this? Do you do do you want me to give my time to this, my resources to this? And it's one thing, because if God says yes, then guess what? You're free to go nuts. Show up early, give, support, be there, get engaged. But sometimes it's like we just, yeah, I don't got nothing going on that night. So, yeah, I'll I'll commit the next seven Thursdays to come to your thing. And it's crazy because we need to be mindful of what it is that the Lord is wanting us to do. I really believe that had they consulted the Lord, he would have told them. I believe that if Joshua had consulted the Lord, he would have told them, no, these guys are from nearby. Because we see in Joshua chapter 7, and this is crazy. Joshua chapter 7, Israel is defeated by Ai, and Joshua goes before the Lord, tears his clothes, and he's crying out to God. God, what happened? You were supposed to be there for us. I thought you told us to go take these guys out. And what does God? how does God respond to him? God tells Joshua, there's sin in the camp. Somebody, you guys are supposed to go in, kill everybody, and get rid of everything. Don't keep anything for yourself. Somebody in your camp has stuff hidden underneath their tent. And you can go back and look at Joshua seven, but the language that God uses is almost implies that the elders, that the leaders, should have known that there was sin in the camp. You should have had a revelation that there was sin in the camp. And because you didn't, you guys got judged. So they fix the situation. So I believe it's the same thing. I believe it's the same thing. God, it's, if 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 they would have sought the Lord, God would have revealed to them. This is not, this is a no go. <clears throat> In verse 16 says, three days after making the treaty, they learned that these people had actually lived nearby. Now, what would you what would you do? Being honest. Like you made a commitment, like you're like, okay, somebody told you a story, they had a need, I need you to help me out. You say you're gonna help them out, and then you find out you were lied to. I mean, how many of us would be like commitment gone? It's over. You made me you made me sign when I didn't know all the all the information. I got it out. It's easy, I can break this promise. And God's cool with it because you lied to me. This is the direction that we normally go. This is the way natural man thinks. <clears throat> Verse 17 says, The Israelites set out at once to investigate and reach their towns in three days. The names of these towns are Gibeon, Kephara, Beroth, and Kiriath, Jerion. But the Israelites did not attack the towns, for the Israelite leaders had made a vow To them in the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. They kept their word even though they were lied to. The people of Israel grumbled against their leaders because of the treaty. But the leaders replied, since we have sworn an oath in the presence of the Lord, the God of Israel, we cannot touch them. This is what we must do. We must let them live for divine anger would come upon us if we broke our oath." Joshua and the leaders of Israel have an understanding. We made a commitment. Even though we were tricked, we made a commitment. And divine anger would be poured out on us if we broke our commitment. God himself would pour out his wrath on us if we broke our commitment. Even though they were tricked. Even though they knew they had been tricked. The whole thing was a sham. And God is still holding them to this commitment. Verse 21 says, Let them live. So they made them woodcutters and water carriers for the entire community as the Israelite leaders directed. Joshua called together the Gibeonites. Remember, these are the Gibeonites. And he said, Why did you lie to us? Why did you say that you lived in a distant land when you live right here among us? May you be cursed. From now on, you will always be servants who cut wood and carry water for the house of my God. They replied, we did it because we, your servants, were clearly told that the Lord your God commanded his servant Moses to give you this entire land and to destroy all the people living in it. So we feared greatly for our lives because of you. This is why we have done this. Now we are at your mercy. Do to us whatever you think is right. I think it's interesting... That stories like this you never hear about nowadays. You know what? I'm gonna move into yeah. I'm gonna move into somebody's apartment. They're gonna give me a deal. They said they're gonna, you know, only charge. It's a three bedroom and it's like eight hundred dollars a month. And you know, these are the things that are included. Oh, you know what? It's not included anymore. I signed this lease, but man, I'm gone. Or this is what, this is usually what tends to happen uh, amongst Christian circles. $800 for a three-bedroom apartment. And I'm there for, you know, I told these people, I never signed the lease, but I told them, you know, we'd stay for like a year. We shook hands. But, man, like two months into it, somebody from my church said they got a three-bedroom apartment for like $600. And, I man, I've been struggling with my finances. And, man, I really feel like this is from the Lord. God has is, God is opened this door for me to get this new apartment. So we're going to move. And now we're leaving somebody else. You know, hung out to dry. Somebody that was expecting to get rent paid. This is the way we operate. Well, God opened that door. God made a way for me to break my word. That's what we that's what we're communicating. Right. <clears throat> About four or five hundred years later, after Joshua makes this commitment, turn to second Samuel twenty one. This is about four or five hundred years later later, after the Gibeonites were made servants of Israel. Second Samuel twenty one says there was a famine during David's reign that lasted for three years. So David asked the Lord about it, and the Lord said, The famine has come because Saul and his family are guilty of murdering the Gibeonites. Four or five hundred years later, Saul and his family break the commitment that Israel made with the Gibeonites. And what happens? Divine anger is poured out on Israel. We cannot take lightly the commitments that we make. That's why I'm saying it's okay to say no. I'd much rather you say no and then say yes and then not show up. Anybody feel that way? Yeah. I'd much rather. Just tell me you're not going to come. Tell me you're not going to come. Tell me you're not going to give. Whatever. But I'd much rather you just say no Then one. I mean, I, I, and we don't think like this. We don't think like God is going to hold us to our word if we've been tricked. Because God's on our team, right? Because God wants to work on our standards and our understanding. Or is God trying to make us like Him? When we learn to uh, keep our word. We we know that that one thing is true, man. God is going to pour out his spirit on all of us. And it's going to transform us. It's going to renew our mind. He's going to make us like himself. Back in Psalm 15 as David answers the question of who can enter God's presence and worship and we see all of these qualifications or requirements verse 5 the end of verse 5 Psalm 15:5 says such people will stand firm forever We have a promise from God We have a promise from God that if we learn to keep our word even when it hurts, that if we learn not to gossip and not to slander our neighbors and speak ill of our friends, we have a promise from God that that we will stand firm forever. It's crazy that that our our ability to stand firm comes right after our ability to watch what comes out of our mouths. And and, and really, I, I feel like this was what God put on my heart because this is the culture He wants us to, to create. This is who He wants us to be. You know, I'm, I'm sure, as I did when I was even preparing this, you know, I thought of several people that have done me wrong, and I thought of several people that I did wrong. And like I said, we need to have grace with one another, but man, at the same time, I would encourage you, if you know in your heart that somebody's got a beef with you because you made a commitment that you didn't keep and they've been hurt ever since, I would encourage you to go, ask for forgiveness, repent of it, and be restored to one another. As a matter of fact, Jesus commands this. If you're ready to make a sacrifice and you remember that somebody's got something against you, leave your sacrifice at the altar. Go, be reconciled to your brother, and then you can come back. In both cases, just what we've been reading and even what Jesus is talking about, the issue has to do with what takes place in God's presence. You want to worship? You want to give? Make sure your relationships with one another are right. And I'm telling you, it's it's important for us as a community, as a family, to make this foundational. Where trust is the main issue. I believe a lack of trust is, is, is the main issue that people are, that we have with one another, that we have in our homes. I mean, there's times where I have to own up to my faults and, you know, hey, yeah, okay, I'm gonna I'll throw the garbage out as soon as I'm done with this. I mean, it's practical, right? But guess what? That keeps happening. And from now on, when I tell Janelle, oh, don't worry, I'm going to take you out, you know, Friday, we're going out. I mean, how much faith or weight can she put in that? Just because I have not taught her, I have not created a culture where my word carries any weight. And I know I spent a lot of emphasis, you know, today talking about being on time because it's, it's, it's almost like an epidemic where people don't care. It's just not a priority. And if we can have a brief second of just having family chat, I mean, let's look at our Sunday services and Wednesday night Bible studies and prayer meetings where people, not that nobody's like, oh man, you don't, but in a very real sense, why can't we people make it here? Now I've talked with people where I've seen people that you know they'll, they'll show up to church early on the bus in the rain and then you know here I am with my car showing up 15 minutes late with a couple Starbucks because we don't we don't put weight on these things. So my heart and my heart and our heart as a leadership team is that God would really transform the culture of our church so that when guess what when somebody gets plugged in when somebody shows up, they get an understanding of this is the way they operate here. The way they do things here is when they say they're going to do it, they actually do it. Whether we believe it or not, we do have a culture here. And when visitors come, they get an idea for it, of what it is. What, what are the things that we hold valuable as a church, as a family? You know, for me personally, it's a big deal to, to be on time. If I'm going to be late, and I'm guilty of this, I'm guilty of this because you can ask Jeff. I'm late to school too often. But I, I, because I know that this it's going to paint a picture for what I'm like, right? This is going to paint a picture for my character. If I'm going to be late, I, I'll be late if, okay, if I, I goofed up. But man, if, if I'm late because I'm waiting on other people, I'm going to pick you guys up. And then you're waiting... And I'm like, man, now you guys are making me late. Now mine this is what it is mine now I'm gonna look bad. It's gonna be like, man, this guy keeps showing up late. And when the reality is like, look, because other people we're not honoring one another. I mean I, I believe that, that the, the culture ultimately is of, of trust and honor that God is trying to birth here as a foundation to cross culture. The the cross makes us what we were not. It's not, it's, it's not okay to say this is just the way I grew up. It's not okay to say that, you know, it was never an emphasis growing up. Because, man, the scriptures are clear. God is going to hold you to your word. God is going to expect you to keep your word even when it hurts. So, again, my encouragement, man, is, is if, you, if you know that, that you probably need to talk to somebody and ask for forgiveness, I would encourage you guys to do that. I don't see see anything wrong with that. I think that's the way family should operate. You kiss and make up. But we're just going to pray, and we're going to close out now. But, Father God, I pray right now that you would be glorified in our lives, God. God, I pray that you would conform us to the image of Christ, God. God, in in power, in love, and in character, God, we want to be like him. God, I pray that you would transform us and make us men and women, Lord. That that not only can, can our brothers and sisters take us at our word, God, but you can. God, that when we make commitments to you, to pray a certain amount of hours a day or to fast for a certain length or whatever it is, God. I pray, God, that you would transform us, that we become men and women that you can trust. God, I pray that we would be men and women that you find faithful because you know the intentions of our heart. God, I pray with all of this said, God, that your grace would be upon us to transform us and and, and make us what we weren't. And God, I pray for, for this transition that you would create a culture, a culture that is shaped, grounded and established by the cross. And that we would get everything that comes with that, God. God, we don't we don't want just portions of you, we want all of you, God. Transform us by your spirit, God. And God, I pray for the grace to be on us, Lord God, to be transformed and to, to have grace with one another. God, I pray that, that you would stir us up, God, to seek reconciliation with one another as brothers and sisters, God. I pray that you be glorified. In our lives. In Jesus name we pray. Amen.